Hello, and welcome to the Grove Church Podcast. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and we are so glad that you're joining us. Whether you are a member and you're just catching up on a sermon that you missed, or you're someone who's brand new, we are really glad that you are joining us. And if you are new in some way, and I know that a lot of people will do that, will listen to sermons first before they visit, I want you to know that we would love to meet you at any point. You can join us live in our services on Sunday, 9 and 1030, or our streaming service at 1030. Either way, we would love to be able to get to know you. And regardless of why you are here uh, listening to this sermon today, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, good morning, everybody. Hey, if you are new, uh, we are really glad that you're here. I'm Charlie, the lead pastor here. And if you are joining us online or in person, really glad that all of you are here worshiping with us today. And before we get into the next uh, week of our series on the Psalms and prayer, I want to show you a really cool pic of something that happened yesterday. This is some of our roots, uh, our, our youth group that left yesterday to go spend a week serving at Camp Barnabas. And Camp Barnabas is a camp for kids who have special needs. And so they will essentially be counselors slash buddies for uh, kids that are, that are campers there. And so we've got a group of our teenagers that are going to camp, but not in the traditional sense, but in more of a, a, way, to, in a way to serve. And to me, I'm just really excited about them and what they're doing and just how God has over the years. This is, you know, I don't know how, maybe fourth or fifth year that we have done this where we have sent some of our sent some of our people from our youth group to go do this and um, even to the point where now there is a there's a girl who will be a senior in college this fall that is that is just serving serving there the entire summer as a staff person as opposed to a one week kind of volunteer kind of deal and so we've kind of seen a lot of our kids just over the years just really get a real heart for serving and loving people. And this has been great. So I just wanted you guys to know about that because it's a really cool thing. And the thing that you probably, is probably the second thing that you noticed, we have a couple of kids there whose faces are emojis. And uh, we have kids always uh, in our church. We have kids who are currently in foster care and got a couple of teenagers that are in that situation. And I think it's like double, triple cool that we are getting to serve them as well and, and allow them to be a part of this and to serve at Camp Barnabas. And it's just really cool. There's just a lot of layers of really awesome things that are happening in our youth group just uh, kind of encapsulated here in this photo. And I bring that up to you in part because I just always want to keep it in the front of all of our minds. What an incredible investment it is. Uh, sometimes I think we think of maybe just the, 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 the serving and the, and the giving that we have here at the church. Sometimes we think of it maybe just kind of operationally. That's kind of what we have to do to kind of do the operations of the church. But it is, it is a real investment. It's an investment in kind of our next generation and to our youth and to our kids. And then the multiplying impact that those kids are able to have, not just in the future, but even right now. And I just want to thank you and kind of, again, keep, you, keep that in front of mind for you. Just the awesome opportunity that we have every week to invest in our kids and invest in what God is doing here and all around the world. And things like this happen a lot. I got to meet with uh, a young woman just a couple of weeks ago who was going on staff. Her name is Lauren Whitehouse. She's going on staff with a missions agency and is going to be around here for a while and is trying to figure out some of the things that she's doing, how she can help partner and strengthen our church kind of in this area and really excited about that and what she's doing. And at the end of this service, 
We're going to have an opportunity to pray for our Cuba team that is going to Cuba. Uh, uh, they're leaving on Saturday. A great trip that they're about to do and that our partnership with St. James Missionary Baptist. And you know, we, we got to, they're we're going together with them and just that partnership and what they're doing. There's just a lot of great things going on. And I just want to make sure that, again, that you, it's front of mind for you that your presence, your giving, your service, your connection here, it's doing a, hopefully it's doing a great work in you and in your family, but it is having a multiplying impact in the families of the people around you and in our community and, and in our world, just kind of layered generational impact that you guys are having. So I just want to thank you again for your, for your giving and your service and just to continue to recruit you um, as far as to, to join us in the really awesome things that God is doing here. Now, if you were here last week, you'll know that we started a series. We're talking, going through some Psalms, and we're talking about kind of working our way through this prayer acronym as we're going through the Psalms. And we had this acronym, we showed it last week, called ACTS. It kind of talks about maybe just kind of these four stages or four components to prayer. And really, deeper than that, just kind of a relational connection with God that we want to start. So we talked about last week, we want to start with adoration, praise, worship, that we want to think and reflect about the character and nature of God. Not just simply good things He might do for me, but just the, the awesomeness that He is. And we spent some time last Sunday talking about the goodness and the greatness of God. That God is great, He's big, He's powerful, but He is also good and kind and loving. And we want to spend time reflecting on that and, and being able to hold those two things and balance together as we think about who God is and, and, and even before we think about the things that He does. And today we're going to talk about confession, about what does it mean, like why is it important, and what does it look like to, be some, to confess our sin to God, and we'll get into that. And then next week we'll spend some time talking about thanksgiving, thanking God for what He's done, and then we'll end with supplication, the, the most awkward of the words, but it's just asking God for stuff, but you have to make it an S, so it makes a cool acronym, right? So we'll spend some time talking about these over the next few weeks. And so as we're getting thinking about today, thinking about confession, I was thinking about it all week and even in the weeks leading up to doing this series, I was thinking about it, and it's a, it's a loaded word. It's a word that has a lot of meaning to it. I may, you may, you, we may think that we know what it means, but it means different things in different contexts. And even means different things depending on the particular religious or Christian tradition that you come from. And so before we start talking about the importance of confession, I thought it was very important for me and for us to make sure that we are all on the same page, kind of with the theological framework of what confession is. So I want to spend some time talking about the theology of confession so to make sure that we understand exactly what it is we're talking about. And if this were the 90s, We'd be showing a movie clip right now, and it'd be really, really cool. I would really like it. In fact, there was a time, and it, of course it was in the 90s, that I did show this movie clip that I'm about to describe to you. And I showed it in a way, thinking that knowing that people would see it and think that it was a good example of what confession is. But in fact, it's, it's really not. And, and, and it's, it's from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which is the third one. And if you lose track, it's the Holy Grail one. And, and just, just, I feel like I have to bring this up. We're on a good track here. Well, we're on a track here like every other 
Indiana Jones movie is good. The first one was really good. The second one, not so much. I'm not trying to fight you if you like the Temple of Doom. I'm not trying to fight you. Maybe a lot. Maybe we can fight later. The third one was really good. The fourth one didn't exist. And now we're on to the fifth one. I've, I've, got, I've got high hopes. But they're going for the Holy Grail. It's near the end. This kind of this earthquake has happened. And Indiana Jones is holding on to this girl. And she's about to fall. But she, she's, and she, and she's holding on like this. But she's also kind of reaching. It looks like the Grail is about to fall. She's reaching. He's like, and he's like, I can't hold on to you. I can't hold on to you. And, and, and she's going. And then finally loses the grip. And, and, she, and, and she falls in there. The idea that. God's kind of got me. He's rescued me here. But if I pursue sin over here, eventually the grip is going to get, and I'm going to get lost. And then almost immediately the same thing happens to Indiana Jones and his dad has him. And he's doing the same thing. But finally comes to his senses, gives dad the other hand and gets pulled up. And I think that's, whether we recognize it or not, I think there is some, some of that idea Maybe what we think about, we think about what happens when I sin against God. That somehow, you know, God has rescued me. He's holding on to me like this. And I'm over here with this hand sometimes pursuing sin. Things I'm not supposed to. I'm running away from God. But if, but if, I, and if I do this too long, the grip is going to get lost. And, so, and, and, and there's going to be a problem. And i got to confess. Otherwise, I might fall into the pit again. And I think it is of incredible importance to say that is, is exactly not what is happening. It did not depend on how good you were that God rescued you. It was something that Jesus Christ did dying for you, and it was a free gift that God has given you. He puts His hand down, yes, to grab you, but it is not dependent. Whether or not God has you is not dependent on the strength of your grip or what this other hand is doing. In fact, a better illustration for, with me is me with my middleest daughter, Lauren. When she was two, there's no better word to describe it. She was a maniac. She is now a super awesome, very mature, 22-year-old, just graduated young woman. And part of me wishes, those of you guys who knew her now, that you could have known the, the, just the disaster maniac, crazed monkey that two-year-old Lauren Lofton was. And so I'm telling you, if you ever... We're in a parking lot with her. Like you, you had to be careful unstrapping her from the car seat. You had to be ready to block her. You're unstrapped. You can't. You couldn't let her out. And then you let her out. You grab her by the hand. And you don't hold. You didn't hold Lauren Lofton by the hand. You held her by the wrist. You had her whole arm because she was going. She was going to chase a car. She was going to run to wherever we're going. She was going to try to jump into a cart. She, maybe she heard a dog. But she was going. She was going somewhere. And it was a. It was a very stressful thing. But you know what? She was never, she was never in any danger. I, I wasn't having a great time. And neither was she. She wasn't having a great time either because there was a dog over there. And we needed to go see it. And maybe that car's really cool. And that's really shiny. And she, she wasn't having a great time. I wasn't having a great time. But she was always safe. Now we'll talk a little bit more. We're going to keep unpacking this metaphor a little bit. But I need you to understand that your pursuit of sin is not the kind of thing that is going to break your relationship with God. In fact, I would say it this way, that it strengthens the relationship rather than restoring it. Now, restoring has a couple of different meanings. When I say restore, like it, it, it's, it's broken and has to be put back together. I mean, we could use different definition for restore, like you're restoring a, 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 a piece of artwork 
a piece of furniture to bring it back to a, to a, to a greater shine, restoring in that sense, but not taking something that is, that is broken and has to be put back together. It is, it is a strengthening. It is a healing. It is something that, 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 that helps. It's different than the moment of repentance when we are separated from God and I have to trust in Jesus and he puts his hand in there. But at the moment that I put my trust in him, God has me. But the moment there with Indiana Jones, he's being held like this. There is a strength and a comfort and a connection that comes from, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm with him. And when Lauren got older, and we could hold hands in the parking lot, and she would put her hand on mine, and we could just lovingly connected together go to wherever it is we were going, inside the house, into the store, or whatever, there, there's a relational connection here. And so I think it is important, because I don't, I don't want you to think about it in terms of every time I... Because this is a theologically important time for me. Um, I'm sitting here looking at the time. I was in fourth grade, and my, one of my best friends, he was, a, he was a preacher's kid for an Assembly of God uh, pastor. And I'm not saying this is true of all Assembly of Gods. This is just this particular day. And, 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 and I remember we were sitting there. I had a sleepover, and it was really weird because their house connected to the church. And we would go into the church and play hide-and-seek, which I didn't, think it was, I didn't think it was loud. But apparently we could. Anyways, we're sitting there. He's like, man, I don't know if you figured it out yet. And I'm like, what? Actually, this church thing's pretty easy. What? You can do whatever you want during the day. And then you get to come to God later at night, and you say, I'm sorry. And then you're all good. You can just do whatever you want. I was, you know, what is it? Nine? Ten? Like, bro, I don't, I don't think it's that. And so it depends, right? Sometimes we get so scared of God that we think that we're completely undone once we do something bad. Or sometimes we think it's so casually that God's just kind of a big pushover. I can do whatever I want. But it's, it's, it's deeper than both of those things. And one more thing, as we're just kind of talking about this. Some of you may hear that and hear the word confession, kind of, and a Catholic image comes to your mind. Which, again, this is, there's, there's some diversity in Catholics. So I don't want to say that this is the Catholic view, but a primary Catholic view, that confession is something that you do to a priest as opposed to connecting just one-on-one with God. And then after confessing, there's a list of things, penance, list of tasks that you have to do to kind of make up for the thing that you did. That is not what we believe. Um, it is something that you do personally with God. And again, we're not trying to, we're not trying to pay a penalty. We are trusting in a loving God that forgives. All right, so let's go here to our psalm, Psalm chapter 32, and kind of look at just kind of more kind of the, the emotions and what, what really happens in the relationship when we practice this confession of, of telling God that we're sorry for the sins that we've done. Verse 1, Psalm chapter 32. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up 
and, and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place and will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. So when this psalm starts, you know, he's, you know, he starts kind of like, I was in this place of sin. Let's go back. Let's just go back to verse, verse chapter two, the, uh, verse two of Psalm 32. Um, Blessed is the one whose sin does not count against them and whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. My, for day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. He's describing what he feels like internally when he's got sin in his life. And I was trying to come up with what, what, what word would I use to describe the way that that feels, but the thing, I, I loved his word. It's like God's hand was on me, it was heavy. And so I want to say is this, is that unconfessed sin, it causes heaviness. That description, God's hand was heavy on me. I, it felt heavy. And, and I think it's important, this, this metaphor that he uses here, I think is powerful because it's not that God's hand wasn't there. God's hand was there. The connection, the love was still there, but the presence of God's hand felt heavy to him. There's a difference between his hand feeling heavy and me being under his thumb, right? That's different. It's not his foot is on my neck or that I'm under his thumb. His hand is on me, but it feels heavy. It feels like my strength is being sapped. I feel this sense of isolation. I feel guilt. I feel like he's disappointed in me. And, 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 and it just, it just it, something feel right. And I think, I think we've all felt this. And I think sometimes we feel it. I think sometimes we feel it when we walk in the door of church. I think sometimes we feel it when we hear a worship song. I think we feel we just we just feel this something's not right. And I think there are people who aren't here today because of that feeling. Something's not right. I don't like necessarily the way that I feel. And and and, we, and sometimes we can project it onto the people or onto the church. And not that there aren't people in churches out there that are making people feel worse, but some of it is just real. I, something's not right, and I feel it. And, and I've recognized this. I don't like this, and I bring this up not because it's relatable to you at all, because you, this is something unique to me. But I bring it up because I think it's a good illustration and because I, I like to whine about it. I weird rooms that I walk into, right? Normal things are happening in a room. And people are enjoying themselves, and then I walk in, and now we have to be weird. <laughs> Pastor's here. <laughs> Put your drinks away. You've got watch your language, right? Or you just, you just, you just, you just see somebody, and like, you know, like, oh, we're going to be in church on Sunday. He's like, I didn't. It's not why I'm here. I was here to say hi. I'm just, I'm just at Walmart. 
This is a restaurant. I'm not, my presence is not intended to make you feel bad about whatever it is you may or may not be doing. Drink what you're drinking, eat what you're eating. And I would love to see you on Sunday, but then have, you know, just, let's just be cool. But there's, there's something that can happen, right? Where the, where, and I think about God. And, and, and I think about the worship songs and I, and I think about these things and, and, I, and I can tell that something's not right. And what I want to suggest is that it's real. It's real. There, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a relational change that's happened. There's, there, 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 there's, there's, there's a wedge. Even again, if we're clear on the theology in, in, in the practical terms, the relationship's not good. And however word you would describe, however you would personally describe that heaviness, it's, it's, it's real. And it continues on in verse 5. He says, but then I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin Unconfessed sin causes heaviness, but confession brings healing. To say to God, hey, I know, I know, I, know I, 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 I did it, I did it. I'm sorry for that thing that happened last night. I'm sorry for the way that I talked to them. I'm sorry that I have not given you my attention. I'm sorry that I have been unkind, that I have been ungenerous. I'm sorry for the things that I'm pursuing. I'm, I'm sorry to just say it, to just tell him. But the thing that keeps us from it, some of the things that we talked about last week, this character of God, we want to praise him. And I think that's why we start with praise. That's why we start with the adoration piece is I think about how great God is and I think about how good he is. Like I just want to tell, I, I, I need to tell him I'm sorry. But some of us, we think only of how powerful he is. And I don't want to say anything to him because I'm scared of him. Some of us think about God and only that he is good and we think of him as, as if he's some sort of pushover and it doesn't really matter what I do. Like my friend in fourth grade. I'd just do whatever. He didn't care. Just say the right words at the end and beep, 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 you'll be fine. And as far as really the kind of relational repair that needs to happen, God, you are so amazing. Like I, I, I can't believe I did this, but I also can trust that you are so kind and I know that you will forgive me. But a lot of us are choosing a strategy that I think is very common in marriages. I know not everybody here is married. It's common in other relationships too. But I see it a lot in talking to people about marriage where you do something and you know, bro, you know, you know you did it. And you know it wasn't cool. There's a part of you that thinks maybe she didn't notice. Maybe she didn't notice. You're an idiot, but you think, you think maybe she might be one too. So maybe she didn't notice, and we're going to just kind of pretend like, hey, hey, how you doing? Have a good day, having a good day. And all of a sudden, like passive aggressive is coming over here. And normally, if your spouse is upset, you might would ask, hey, is everything okay? But you're not going to ask because you know everything's not okay, and you don't have to ask why because you know, and it's you. And you don't, but you think maybe, just maybe, if I start acting nice now, she'll just get over it and we won't have to have this. I won't, because if I say something, 
then, then, then he's going to go off on me. She's going to go off on me. And I, I would rather, I'd rather not hear about it. And so we do this with God. And you do something that is clearly an act of rebellion. It's a violation of what he wants from you. It is a clear act of disobedience on your part. And it causes the relational problem. But he's like, well, maybe he didn't see it. Which, of course, we know is theologically dumb. But you know, maybe he didn't, didn't notice. Or maybe... Maybe if I go to church and put a little extra in the offering, God will be like, uh, he'll just forget about it. Again, not theologically appropriate either. He saw it and he's not going to forget. He, I mean, and I'm not saying this. I got to make sure we're I'm not saying that because there may be some sin that you didn't confess when you were 14. Uh, you know, I was a bully in junior high and I probably did not confess for every bullying thing that I did in junior high. I think, well, I mean, 14-year-old, 14, 14 science class, third week class, you don't remember that thing that you said? I still, I still got it on my, you forgot I did, and I still got it on the list, right? It's not like that. But there is this sense in which I can feel that there's a problem. And I need, I need to make it right. I need to make it right by confession. I need to tell my spouse. I need to tell my friend. I need to tell my parents. I need to tell my kids. I need to tell God, I know I've hurt you. And I'm sorry. And that brings, that brings real healing. And it heals not only the relationship. It does help heal the relationship. But it's also bringing healing to you. Because way too many of us are pretending to be something that we're not to be fine when we're not, to be good when we're not. And it is honesty. It is honesty about who I am, where I'm at, the problems that I'm having. That's my key to my own spiritual health. And then my relationship with God, my relationship with others, all of these relationships are healed by an honest, true confession to God about the things that I'm battling, about my failures, about the ways that I've fallen short. And I'm not going to allow, I can't allow my own sort of shame around it to keep me from being honest and really pouring out my heart to God. Because like we see here, and I think we'll see in our lives, it brings a real healing to keep those kind of short accounts and to be honest. And in verse 7, he says this, he says, God, you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Confession brings healing, but it also brings a relational confidence. God, you are a place of hiding for me. I can, I can, I can hide. The, I, I can be safe when I'm with you. You'll protect me. You're taking me where I need to go and protecting me from the places that I shouldn't go. When I go off on my own, I might get hurt. I'm going to be in trouble. But when I have a healed relationship with God, I can trust Him. And I can be confident. I mean, if, if you, again, when, when you make that transition from your toddler to a little kid, and they can, and they will hold your hand, and it's like, I want to go where you want to take me. 
And I trust that wherever my dad is taking me is a good place. And it's where I want to go. And even if it's not where I want to go, it's where I need to go. And I can rest and I can trust. And it's like, hey, we're about to go do this really fun thing. And, and we're holding each other's hand. And she can confidently know that she's safe. I don't have to run off to go pursue other things because I have this trust. And I know that God loves me and is taking me in the right place. And so I ask you, do you believe that God is safe and you can trust him? And it is our pursuit of sin that I think that undoes that. I'm not completely sure God's on my team sometimes. And it's not because anything about the nature or character of God has changed. This is a joke that I have made before. I make it sometimes as an illustration in, in money talks, but it's like you're, you know, you're, you're having a relational problem and you pray to God, God, the, the person I'm having this affair with, that relationship's not going good. Can you help me? Can you help me have a better relationship with my mistress? You would pray that to God. You just robbed a bank. God, help me get away safely. Right? Drinking and driving. God, please. Like, you know, like there's some things you could ask God for, but he'd be like, are you, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? We talk about this. Some, we always talk about this. You may have heard some of these things before. We talk about it in money series, right? We're always asking God to bless our finances. But we struggle sometimes. We keep God out because I don't feel the confidence because I'm not living according to his guidelines. God, I'm living according to your guidelines. I need your support. I need your help in my marriage. I need your help in my life. And when I am, when I'm good with God, when I'm holding his hand and he's holding mine, and I know that there's nothing between us and I am doing what I can, I'm, I'm, I'm living according to his guidelines, I'm, I'm avoiding sin, then I can confidently trust him and walk with him. I don't have to feel anxiety when I walk into church. I don't have to feel anxiety thinking about prayer. I don't have to feel any of these things. Because I confessed. God, I'm sorry. And, he, and he's faithful to forgive. And we, we think, well, if, if, I, if I bring it up, he's going to shame me. If I bring it up, he's going to put his thumb on me. If he's, he's just going he, to say all these awful things or I'm going to have to do all these all, all this, all these. All these acts of penance to make up for it. And the heaviness gets stronger and stronger to the point to where some of us will collapse under it. And again, it's not because of the nature or the character of God has changed. He is as great and as good as He always was. But we are allowing the relationship to get muddied. And we're not willing to take the time to just tell Him, I know I've ignored you. I know I've walked away. I know I've tried to live life like I'm on my own. I know I'm just kind of making up my own rules for family and making my own rules up for finances and making my own rules up for integrity, for sexual purity. I'm just kind of doing my own thing. And I, God, I know it's not working. And I feel the heaviness. And I just want you to know that I'm sorry. 
And then that very same heavy hand becomes a comforting hand, becomes a leading hand. And so let's just take some time. Let's just take some time for some honesty. Let's take some time to be just, just to be honest, to, to clear the air, to have a restorative healing conversation with God so that we can have the, the healing and the trust and the confidence that we need to face all of the challenges that life is throwing at us. Let me pray. Thanks again for joining us on our sermon podcast. And you can learn more about us at thegrovechurch.org. And if you go to thegrovechurch.org slash connect, there's a form you could fill out. Just let us know that you've been listening. And if you want to dig deeper on some of these topics that we cover in our sermon podcast or just in other issues of dealing with culture or theology, those kinds of things, uh, you can check out our Cultivate podcast. It's on the same feed, um, however you found this particular podcast. So again, this is Charlie, the lead pastor at The Grove, and thank you so much for joining us.